You are the reason that Josh Hamilton was run out of this town. You are the reason. You trained this fan base to hate Josh Hamilton. And I am sick and disgusted to know that I was one of those individuals. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast off-season version. This is Todd Fox along with the co-host. Fernando Mendez. Yes, sir. When we are... Uh, yeah, you almost forgot your catchphrase. What the hell, man? It's the off-season. I'll give you... <laughs> um, so as we start the show, we're going to get into Fair a few enough. things. Uh, we're going to talk about Otani. Uh, we're also going to talk about... Um, what, what else? You just told me and I already forgot. Um, the secondary thing? Um, we're going to talk about players uh, whose numbers should get retired, especially with the 20th World Series anniversary uh, celebration coming up. So maybe speculate on anything for those guys on the team might get their numbers retired. Maybe somebody else. We'll talk all about that. Yeah, and then we're also going to bring up the big news that came in the court stuff. It's been delayed a couple months, but unfortunately, since a certain someone didn't settle out of court like he should have, we're going to be dragging this organization through the mud, unfortunately. And then it gets amplified because the CBA and there's no turnover, nothing going on in Major League Baseball. So the focus locally will be about this. So we're going to give our speculations and what we think. Hey, hey, hey. Don't forget the fact that another local person – Mr. Roger Lodge did not pick this as the sports center or whatever sports lodge uh, top story of the day. His top story was Jose Moto leaving after 20 years. And don't get me wrong. I understand that that's news, but is that the biggest news? <laughs> true. True. But can, since you brought up Moto, um, I want your thoughts. Okay. Um, over the last couple of years, we've seen, of like even for the Angels organization, which they've gone through their fair share of, of commentators, people working behind the scenes or on the field broadcasting after games, before games, pregame shows, things of that nature. I can't remember a time though when we've gone through so many in the last two seasons. Gubazaw like has been the only rock besides um, ter- uh, is it Terry on the uh, Terry Smith? Uh, not Terry. Yeah, it's Terry Smith on the on the radio side. And and Langston. And Mark Langston. They've both been there for a minute. Yeah, Langston in the last like two or three years, but Terry and Gubazov for the most part. But boy, do you think I, I think have a he's been there longer? Yeah, he's been there since at least like the twenty tens, right? Yeah, but he was like a uh, off and on dude. Like he's only been like in the radio with him mostly the last like three seasons, from what I know. Um, but real quick, I was going to ask you about Moda. Uh, do you think he left because? of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we'll talk about later, or was it something of along the lines of, Hey, I put in my time. I really want to be in the booth booth full time. He's seen guys come and go in front of him and, and before him, and he's not been given a solid shot. Do you think that's the reason, or you think it's an organization thing? I think it's more so because maybe he feels like he keeps, he keeps getting passed by. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's been pretty adamant 
that that wasn't the case, but I mean, something tells me that it is. I mean, you know, can it really not be at this point? I mean, just the timing is too convenient, right? It is because the guy that they got to fill in, um, granted, he's he's decent, you know, I I, I know, but but he's to me, I think Moda, he, I don't think of him as an Angels broadcaster, and I think they just handed it to him like nothing when Moda's been there the entire time. So I feel bad for the guy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess it's easy to see why. You know, he's he's pretty good at what he does, but I mean, do you legitimately see him as a play-by-play guy day no. in day out? No, I, I see him as like the third guy in the broadcast, but but at least I put him in the booth. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't have him sitting in the outfield uh, talking about the latest hot dog they're offering or or you know interviewing a a player's family member uh, between innings. You know, I I think he deserves to be in the booth. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, no disrespect to Moda. I mean, you know, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I like what he brings to the table. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of a play-by-play guy, I, I'm not necessarily sold. That doesn't mean that he can't be a good play-by-play guy. It just means that I've yet to really see him in that role. And I know he filled in from time to time last year when uh, Rich Waltz and um, Sutton weren't going and Vaskirjan wasn't. I know Moda did a couple, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe. So, you know, he, he's he, he's certainly decent, but um, yeah, I think he's more of a, maybe more of a Mark Gubaza, if yeah. I, if you will. That's what I meant. I meant to say he's like, I don't think he's a lead dude where he's calling it every, you know, every pitch, every out. But yeah, if you're, if, if you're going to be like, um, what did you see on that one, Moda? And he's like, well, his curveball was, he's been hitting his, uh, the, the strike zone with a curveball, but uh, he's got to work on that slider. It's been very hittable tonight. And did you notice this from this certain batter? Because he's good at that. You know, he's good at pointing out individual things that happen on the field. But I'm with you. He's not the play-by-play dude, but I think he deserves to be in a, a supportive role, basically. Yeah, I mean, he's a good uh, he, he's a good uh, Tony Romo, if you will. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Mark Gubiza is a great Tony Romo for the game of baseball. You know, where he's able to articulate what happened break it down, what went wrong. Oh, you know, uh, pitcher just hung up that change up a little too far. You know, that lefty is really good at driving the ball the opposite way. He's good at, you know, extending his hand. You know, that's the kind of thing that Jose Moda is really good at. Uh, I just think it's unfortunate because he hit the brick wall that is Mark Gubiza. Mark Gubiza is one of the best at doing that. And that's no disrespect to Jose Moda. Jose Moda certainly has the potential to be a great uh, color commentator. But Gooby's been here for so long. He's developed the tenure of being that secondary guy that I just think that, you know, Jose Moda just kind of ran into the perfect storm, if you will. I, I get you. I am I am 100% behind that take. That's pretty much sums up Moda in a nutshell. Um, so, yeah, I just want to get it out of the way because. Yeah, but, um, yeah, hey, you know. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I was I, I was basically just going to yeah say the same thing. I was just going to say, hey, you know, I, I'm sure we all wish him well. I, I don't think any Angels fan dislikes him. You know, he's a very likable dude, very nice guy if you've ever run into him, very generous with his time. So, And just like Sutton and Rich Waltz and now Moda, unfortunately, um, we, we like you said, we hope the best for them. We, we hope they land spots here in the upcoming season, crossing our fingers that the season is upcoming. So we'll get to that a little bit later too, but – we wanted to talk uh, off the bat uh, 2022 season, which is going to take place no matter what on your uh, PlayStation or Xbox, which is 
or Nintendo Switch for the first time ever. <gasps> wow. All right. So we're moving. And you know, that's what I was going to ask. So for any of you guys who might live under a rock, uh, Shohei Watani is your uh, MLB The Show 2022 cover athlete, too. Not very many people surprised, right? I mean, so many people called it <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we, we all saw it coming, coming from a mile away. Let's be honest, right? I mean, who else could it have been? The only other person who I think it could have been, that would have been like, eh, okay, would have been like Vlad Jr. because he had such a good year. And I think if it wasn't for Shohei Otani, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have been the cover athlete because he had a great year himself. No disrespect to what he did, but he didn't break multiple records in uh, you know something that we haven't seen in 100 years except the guy who did it a hundred years ago was playing against a bunch of plumbers. So that's the difference. And you know what, speaking of Vlad, you know, I think it's one of those where, you know, he didn't win the MVP this year and he didn't get on the cover of the game this year, but at some point he will, I think we all know he's that good of a hitter and he will just get better knowing his dad and everyone else associated with him. But Vlad, I think everyone here cheers for him, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, when they're not playing like him, yeah, we're not up to play yeah. because he he looks like his his father. He talks like his father. He's as humble as father. We we forget too that during the regular season, the media wanted to give it to him, and he said, "I don't deserve it." Uh, Shohei does. You know, he goes, "I don't pitch," and he was very humble about it. I mean, what superstar would actually take that route? So he got even. I thought more... that was a fake quote. Huh? I thought that was a fake quote that no, somebody made. No, it was a real quote. Uh, that because the reporters were asking him about you know, should he be the MVP over uh, Otani because they felt that Otani was getting favoritism because he was, uh, he was a pitcher, but he says, I can't pitch and he's doing dual stuff and he's, you know, he's putting up numbers. So he deserves it. So I thought he was very humble with that. Um, But when it comes to Shohei, yeah, you're absolutely right. He, he should have been on the cover. It would have been a crime if he wasn't. And uh, I think it's good now too. the video game developers, I think will find, I don't know if they did it last season, but I know every season before that, if you needed to use Shohei in a dual way on the video game, you had to uh, really funk with a lineup to get him to play both positions at the same time. Yeah. So uh, I think last year was the first year that at least I could think of, and I've been playing this game forever Mm -hmm. um, that you could automatically put a pitcher in as DH. And then they kind of did this thing where you can develop a two-way player by putting a a pitcher in a position or vice versa, putting a position player as a starter or a bullpen arm, even you can develop them in a two-way player. But like when uh, Otani first came over in 2018, I remember if you wanted to have him hit on a day he was pitching, you would have to forfeit the DH. So you'd have to put in, I mean, who was on the team in 2018? I mean, well, Ian Kinsler. You'd have to put in like Ian Kinsler at DH. And then when it came time for Ian Kinsler to bat, you would substitute Shohei Otani in, uh, even though he was listed as a pitcher. So you'd have to do that. So you would lose a DH yeah, to do right. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that sucked. In 2019, um, I think they fixed it a little bit. Um, so I think what I was able to do was like pretend that I was going to put my pitcher in. So like, I'd put like Tyler Skaggs, the uh, rip to pitch, uh, or to, to be my DH. And then I would substitute, put in Shohei Otani. And that, that was a, that was a tedious pro- uh, process. 2020, they fixed it. You were able to do that whole DH thing, but then he got hurt and he wasn't pitching. So they changed it. So he was a hitter only in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
why would you do this? And then 2021, they finally got it right. So, you know, I'm hoping it's the same thing this year. I would imagine they'd put another emphasis on the two-way player because now you have all the kids playing the video game who want to be a two-way player, right? They want the created player to be a two-way player. So, And it's just like with other sports that we were talking about, I was talking about with a friend, uh, or I was talking actually with Randy, um, about the, you know, Michael Vick experience, you know, like you start seeing quarterbacks that would scramble about 10 years later because those kids were watching him when they were, you know, 10 years old or, or eight years old. And now all of a sudden you have that new type of quarterback. It just takes a groundbreaking player. I think in some ways you're going to see more two-way players in the next, uh, in, you know, eight to 10 years come through because there are so many kids. And like you said, and so many adults that emulate this dude uh, in every way want to be him. And he's a he's a international superstar, and I think this is going to get you know video games go beyond the United States, obviously. So it's going to get more people to play, uh, you know. And then you know, again, we're blessed that he's in an angel uniform because then people are going to know who the angels are, you know. Like if they didn't know who they were with Trout, you definitely know who they are now with with Otani. Yeah, I mean Shohei Otani, the twenty twenty one season he had was larger than life, mm-hmm. right? He is an absolute global phenomenon. And I think that if baseball markets him properly and everyone's going to be like, well, baseball is bad at marketing. You know what? I think they're actually getting it right so far. They understand what they have in Shohei Otani. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is baseball's golden age. You, you'll never say it as because I know you're a hardcore football fan. The golden age of football, especially quarterbacks, which is what most people really look at when it comes to football, right? That's the first thing. Everyone's always like, well, what's the quarterback on that team? You know, casual fans know the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But the golden age of quarterbacks is dying. Are quarterbacks today more athletic than they were 20 years ago? Yes, but – They don't throw like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. They don't throw like those guys used to, right? Those guys could, you know, throw a football through a a car window while it was moving at 60 miles an hour. You're not going to get Lamar Jackson to do that. Lamar Jackson might be able to, you know, keep up with the car running for a little bit. So, you know, they're more athletic nowadays. But see, the the golden age of football is slowly dying. Maybe – you know, if you like defense, then you can make that argument that it's starting to be the golden age in that capacity. And I understand that. Or even running backs. Sure. Basketball's golden age, slowly dying as these guys start to retire. You know, the LeBron's going to retire. Obviously, Kobe Bryant passed away and retired. You know, Kevin Durant doesn't have much time left. We're starting to get to those days where, sure, you have athletic basketball players, but they're not the dominant players that we saw growing up. Well, the you know game, what I mean? Yeah, the, the game has changed so much in basketball. I think it's already way past Absolutely. the golden age. It, it, to me, the yeah. ratings are in the toilet for a reason. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's an opinion that actually a lot of people share. Um, you know, I, I, hockey I watch, but I'm not familiar enough with hockey to make any kind of uh, judgment on that. But baseball is definitely currently in its golden age. We have never seen this much talent in baseball. Baseball is beautiful because it's one of the only sports where if you're standing in a major league locker room or even you're just staring at a clubhouse from the outside looking in like we are, there is almost every single shade of skin color, culture, personality, 
almost every country represented in baseball. You know, baseball is a beautiful game because it has the ability to do that. It brings so many different countries together in a way that really the only other sport that might rival that's soccer. Because soccer is, you know, such a, you know, a, regional, you know a international game. International, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd say baseball is slowly catching up to that. I think baseball uh, is starting to finally attract younger people. You go to Angel Stadium now, you see people who are my age, 26, 27 years old, people in their 30s. Not to say that there isn't, you know, older people there as well, but the young people are starting to finally go to baseball games because baseball is starting to get exciting, right? You know, you have the bat flips. The, the unwritten rules of the game are slowly dying. And the crazy thing about that stuff People like our parents aren't complaining that those rules are dying. My dad used to be like, oh, you know, you got to be a gentleman in baseball. Now that he he loves bat flips now because it brings energy. And I'm sure your dad's probably the same way. Back in 10 years ago, he's probably like, what are these guys doing? And now he's like, you know what? I like that. I like the bat flip. There's nothing like an exciting bat flip on a, you know, bottom of the eighth inning. You tied the game up going into the ninth inning. Now you got to send your closer out there to hold the game. You know, that's exciting. That's baseball. And other things that they've added too, like you got the shopping cart, they push them through the 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 thing when they, they hit a big <laughs> home run or they 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 hold yeah, up their yeah. bats and they walk underneath it like a king or something. Each team yep. has their different kind of celebration. I think that's really cool. Um, there's a lot yeah. of things that they could fix, but in the meantime, like you said, I think baseball is entering that golden age. You're getting more superstars, younger superstars that yep. are signing the 10 year contracts like Tatis and, 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 uh, and, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Trout. Otani's going to be one of those guys. Acuna. These guys are going to be around. It's going to be fun. More teams are getting involved. We're talking about adding more teams to the postseason. It's going to help out a little bit. May not, we may not all agree with that. And as far as football, I agree with you. Quarterbacking is different. I, I tended to like the late 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I think it's changed there, but that's football, another story. But baseball, I'll agree. There's certain things that I, I would still kind of change. Like, uh, I think uh, I was talking to Randy the other day, too, because, um, you know, I work at night. He works at night. And he brought up a good point. He said that, uh, you know, he's he he doesn't really like the, the pitcher count too much, you know, the timer on the pitcher. But he he would like a oh, – The pitch block. Yeah. He would like okay. something to where uh, – it's something to where you, you don't have that many times to where you can uh, – uh, um, oh no, it's not the time to Randy. I was talking to another. See, I got my fan, my friends uh, mixed up. It was another one of my friends. He said that he doesn't like the fact that players spend too much time adjusting themselves in the box. And I agree. Maybe it, it, it was should have been the no more Garcia Parra rule from back in the day. But I think one time of stepping out during an at bat should be the limit. I don't think you can you can step really out now. I don't. I, you get fined every time you step out of the box now. Really? Because because I, I seen like you yeah as of a couple of years ago. Okay, because I've seen a lot of guys step out or they call time a lot. I think that's got to stop. Like, you shouldn't be able to, you know, that's that funks of the pitcher's rhythm. You want the pitcher to, to be in a rhythm as a game from the, from a game standpoint as far as a coach too. But you're constantly stepping out or calling time. That's annoying. Like, we've seen with Weaver how he hit Seager years ago. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think there's ways of speed. No, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of the pitch clock either, and the, but the reason why is a little different. I hate the pitch clock because you have whatever it is, 20 seconds, uh, to uh, just to set up 
once I'm set and I'm in my set position, I can be there for six hours and nothing happens. So if you're going to have a pitch clock, have a pitch clock. Make it you got to deliver the ball every 20 seconds or you automatically give up a ball even though you didn't toss it. I'm not for the pitch clock at all, but if you're going to do that, well, do it right at least. Here, here's you know, why is it only 20 seconds to set up? Like, like I said, I can be there for five minutes if I want to. I have a question too. Here's one thing that slows yep. down the game, especially with when you actually do have uh, fast, uh, fast base runners. Um, is there a limit towards throwing over to first base? I know they stopped the throwing over to third base, but should there be a limit? To I don't believe first? so. You, no, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't believe so. But the problem with that would be like, let's just say I'm, I'm only allowed to toss it over twice. Mm-hmm. Well, then the runner just got to automatically go, which, you know, would be like, well, then maybe you should have known, but. I don't know because yeah, sure. Then you can have your catcher set up, but if I know you can't throw over again, I'm just going to get like, I'm just going to go halfway to the base. You can't toss it over anyway. That's true. Like my, my thing is though, if you throw over once, you kind of check the runner, you kind of know if he's going to kind of lean or not. And then you have that option of, okay, I only got one more throw over there. I'm not going to waste it. And even if I do, maybe I call a pitch out on the next pitch. If I think he's going to take off, I think it's more, it brings more strategy it slows the game down because nobody likes to be in a game where you're trying to watch and then the pitcher throws over like five or six times. You know, I think that's always been a, a sour point for me because I think even if you're giving up your, your defense and now you got to either bring the pitch home fast or you got to pitch out, it's more strategy, makes it more exciting. And it might just get what, what baseball is missing, and that's more stolen bases. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's something they, they, they tinker with. But, you know, it, it's it's a strategy. It's part of the game. It just, you know, one of those things that I just feel like it, it'd be too hard to change and it just wouldn't pay off enough. But that's just me. Okay, I mean. Um, uh, so going back to the, the cover thing uh, before we stray too off topic. So um, Shoya Otani is the first angel to grace the cover of MLB The Show. Now, uh, the game's been around since 2006. In 2006, they had David Ortiz on the cover. In seven, they had David Wright. Afterward, Ryan Howard. Then they had Dustin Pedroia, Joe Maurer. This is taking us to uh, 2012 now. Adrian Gonzalez, Andrew McCutcheon, Miguel Cabrera, Yaseel Puy was in 2015. Josh Donaldson, Ken Griffey Jr., Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper takes us to 2019. And then since then, it's been Javier Baez, Fernando Tatis Jr. And now finally in 2022, Shohei Otani. Now, what I wanted to ask is, so the game's going to Nintendo Switch for the first time. Maybe is it a pure coincidence that Shohei Otani is on the cover when the game is going to be on uh, when uh, the game is now going to Nintendo Switch, which is a very big uh, commonly used system in Japan? I think so. I think it's uh it's not a coincidence. I think everyone knows it's marketed mostly over there. Like you said, they actually sometimes have better versions than we do. So um, I think I think for the most part, him going, him being on the cover and being on Nintendo Switch is should have been something that happened before. I mean, but like, like you, you think Switch, you don't think sport games. At least I don't. But uh, this is another way of Nintendo getting their hands on something that's going to pay off in the long run because people are going to want to play that game. And especially with the way graphics are going now and they see their their, their hero uh, from Japan on there and uh, and just in, in, the, um, in the Asian community in itself. I mean, he's revered. 
Uh, he's a very clean cut kid. And, uh, you know, we're all proud to have him on the team. Imagine the world, Absolutely. you know, that's their, that's their guy, you know? So, yep. uh, you know, kudos to Nintendo for making the move. I think it's a brilliant move. Um, so um, Shoyo Tani is the first uh, Asian athlete to appear on the cover of a major sports franchise ever. I thought Yao he's was also. Um, I don't. Maybe yeah. I could have swore Yao Ming was on. I could have swore. All right. Well, now I got to look this up. I think he was on an NBA 2K. I'm not sure. I could have swore he was on one. Maybe I'm wrong. Because at a point, if he would have stayed healthy, he was a hell of a basketball player. Uh, I mean, I typed in Yao Ming cover, and uh, nothing came up. I mean, he was on a Time magazine and, you know, a couple of basketball magazines. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. I don't know. I thought it was. All right. Well, don't worry. I'm, I'm still looking it up. But uh, I'm pretty confident that he's that he was not. Yeah, it doesn't look like he was. Um, if I if we're wrong, then we apologize. But uh, certainly never. The, there's never been an Asian athlete on an NHL game or uh, Madden. And certainly not ever MLB the, the show. Mm-hmm. The last angel to be on a sports cover at all, a video game, was MLB Slugfest 2006, where Vladimir Guerrero was on, but he was also on the cover with uh, a couple of other athletes, uh, including the future angel, which was Albert Pujols at the time. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Blast from the past. Um, so, yes. Uh, besides that, uh, it's just been uh, Shoei Otani. So super exciting news coming out of um, San Diego Studios. All right. Do you have anything to add uh, last for that? No, I think we uh, I think uh, we covered that pretty good. Okay, perfect. Um, so uh, we talked about the cover. And um, now we should talk a little bit about the uh, CBA and uh, what's come out of that over the last couple of days. So unfortunately, not too much uh, progress has been made. Um, from my understanding, uh, they are planning on meeting again here uh, fairly soon, but uh, the proposal is expected to get denied again. Oh, well, hold up, hold up. That's, uh, that's my phone alarm. And uh What's that? It's a wake-up call to Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Guys, it's time to wake up. Yeah, I did just set my alarm just for that. But I wanted to prove a point, okay? They got to wake up. And I'm sure you agree with me. It's where we're starting to, hey, like I said, we are in the golden age of baseball right now. I don't think there's a lot of people who could possibly argue against it once they truly look at the facts the amount of talent they have in the league. The baseball cannot afford a legitimate work stoppage. If we're going to cut a little bit into the spring training, that's fine. I mean, I think spring training is a little too long anyway. Mm-hmm. But they got to figure it out, right? This is not good. This is not good at all. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think uh, you're getting a now sentiment. I've been on very, uh, very many of these pages talking baseball, and a lot of people are turned off by it, and they, they keep going back to greed. You don't want – to price your fans out at the game. You don't want to price them off the TV either. Because, I mean, look, people are struggling. We're in a day and age where there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. The last thing they want to hear about is billionaires arguing with other billionaires or millionaires. 
they want they want people to you know the, the game's there for a reason a distraction and unfortunately it's become a news story and now that they're talking about getting in an outside mediation company to come in there and save the day hopefully that happens you hate that it comes down to that but if they can come in there and an outside arbitrator can figure this out get the mediation down to a, a to something respectable on both sides to hell with it and let's just cut bait and let's go let's start this thing up like you said golden age of baseball you don't want to ruin the momentum that you've been on the last few years let's get this damn thing done yeah now what i want to say is so there's a lot of owners right now complaining that the owners take the risk so that the owners need to make more money right mm -hmm. you know and that's a mindset that some people have for some big corporations you know i'm very fortunate in the position i i have you know i'm very high up i'm second <clears throat> in command are um, in a national pest control company. So I directly see the hard work that my boss, CEO, whatever you want to call him, does. Does he take a lot of risk? Absolutely. Do the owners take their uh, fair share of risk? Absolutely. But what the owners need to understand is without those players, there is no product. Without the product, there is no money. Anybody who is successful and has ever been successful running a business with employees understands that you need to properly compensate your employees for you as a business owner to have success. If your employees are not happy to work there and they're not excited about being part of the process, you're not going to have a very successful business. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, look at Walmart. Nobody shows up happy to work there. You know what? There's probably a couple people that do. You know, a team that's happy wins championships. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to invest in your players. So I don't understand where this super unnecessary amount of greed is coming from, from the owners. I understand it's a business. Nobody here is arguing that point. But what I'm saying is I know directly if you take care of your employees, you will have the results of running a successful business. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not. And here's the one I'm a couple off of that is outside of the WNBA, which if people know me, they know how I feel about that, that league. But the thing is that, league hemorrhages money every year they lose over 10 million dollars every year but they're subsidized by the nba the reason why i bring that up is because no major athlete or sport uh in in america even mls show me a franchise that is losing money outside there's a couple hockey teams you could say that 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 are losing money that are threatened to, to have to move because they can't afford things, whatever this and that. But hockey is a different beast because they don't have what baseball, football, and basketball have, which is TV contracts, which is a really good uh, pay from outside other countries and things like that. So there is no baseball team losing money. You could sit here and say, oh, what about Tampa? What about Oakland? You know, they're, they're not getting any attendance. They still get covered by the TV contracts, revenue sharing, and everything that comes along with merchandise and the brand. So they're not losing money. Every Major League Baseball team is worth over a billion dollars now, by the way. Exactly. So with that being said, that's the nonsense that, yeah, you can always side with the, the players. But then again, when you side with the players, you're also looking at it from a blue-collar aspect saying, okay, well, they're, they're, this is a $56 million dude wanting $84 million. That's kind of hard to get on his side as well, knowing your own 
you know, way of life and, and how you're scrunching for your money, but these dudes are fighting for millions. So it is a turnoff. So I see your point, Fernando. It has to get done. It, these guys are greedy going back and forth. But then again, they ha- they can't make it so transparent that we know so much to where it's going to turn us as fans off. And and it, it is hard to be wanting something to work or grab a side because of how much money they make and how much we know they make. But that's their fault too. You know, they could easily get this done behind closed doors and and fix this, but their pride and egos are as big as their bank accounts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this, this I, I just feel like this is going to get uh, way worse before it gets better, which is unfortunate because this is something we should have been talking about since December 1st. They decided to wait until after what the new year, after the holidays passed, mm-hmm. and then they started meeting. But the worst part about that is like that wasn't even like fully it. Like it's one thing you're gonna wait till after the holidays, okay, cool. But they've only met a handful of times. We're talking a literal like handful of times since the new year started. We're not having constant meetings. You know, is there maybe some dialogue between emails or something? Well, maybe that's something that we don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they are talking behind closed doors. But I really doubt it. In today's day and age, this is the kind of information that people get, at least especially national people. Maybe not, you know, necessarily in our market, but you know, yeah. we're talking about the Ken Rosenthal's, the Jeff Passons, the Jeff Passons. Yeah, yeah, those guys would have known. Yeah, because those guys are literally. I mean, if they have a camper, they're like right outside wherever they're meeting. They know exactly where they're at. Like you said, if one of them farts, it's going to be a tweet. So um, it that's that's the thing. I mean, there there is no <laughs> there is no privacy right now. So it's it, yeah, you're right. I've I've we unfortunately with this sport, we've gone through so many CBAs. At least I have since being a fan. And yeah, you'll you'll have times where when they're working on the CBA. They're constantly talking, but you're absolutely right. They've gone a few weeks in between before they talk again. They're like, oh, we'll be back in two, three weeks. Why? Like, keep talking to get, there's too much at stake. And I think now it's gotten to a point where it's sort of a Hail Mary. Like, hey, let's get a mediator in here. Let's let's try to fix this because we are getting close. Well, duh. Like you said, since December 1st, they've had plenty of time to work through this, but either some guys like the golf or they're spending way too much uh, vacation time this is something you want to fix. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we're the both sides are going to start feeling an immediate effect. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? You're going to be losing money mm-hmm. for both sides. And that's, I don't think, in anybody's best interest in life. I just, you here, know what I mean? Here, here's my thing. You, so, have a lo- you have a lot of players on okay. the player's side that are representing them that that should not be representing. Like your Matt Scherzer's. I don't think the rich guys should be representing the players union. I think you should have guys that maybe are veterans that are making about a couple million here and there because those guys would be more humble and be like, okay, yeah, we know what the players got. Well, I mean, paid. isn't Max Scherzer one of those guys? He's been there. Yeah, but he's paid. He's, he's a veteran. He's respected, but he's paid though. Like it's, it's like, like well, now he is. Yeah. But he's been paid before. Like, like, like for me, I, I would want more guys that are just veterans that know the game, that love the game, that want the best for the players and the up and coming players and the future. Matt Scherzer's been. So you want paid. a guy like maybe Albert Pujols now? Because <laughs> Albert Pujols isn't going to be making big money. <laughs> no, I just want somebody 
that that is going to be on the player's side and not just being like, well, you know what? I've got my $32 million a year regardless. Like, I, I'm going to get paid. Like, like, think about the dudes that are in the league making 400000 800000 whatever the minimum is, and and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but... But that's what I'm saying. Maybe that... Maybe that's a good reason that a guy like Max Scherzer is in there. And the reason for that is because he already did get paid. So he's out there because it's in his best interest for his teammates because he's getting paid no matter what once the CBA signed. My thing is how good is his urgency, so, though? That's that's my only thing. I guess it's fair. I guess it's fair. But, you know, the the players – so one of the biggest things that I, that apparently they're fighting over right now is the fact that um, players uh, want to be compensated for uh, uh, well, I was just uh, reading about it is uh, so we talked about like the, the uh, manipulation, mm-hmm. you know, they can manipulate it. So like, okay, if you start past, you know, whatever, let's just say June 1st, that doesn't count as a year of service time. So right. you're manipulating their service time. So you don't have to pay them for the full mm-hmm. year. And you get to keep them for an extra year because you already passed the deadline. So you manipulated the service time. So they want to be able to change that. They want specific money set aside by owners that if the player, you know, gets manipulated somehow uh, with their service time, but they make things like all-star games. They do things like win MVPs, top five in um, rookie of the year, MV, you know, Cy Young's, you name it, awards like that. If they're, obviously having good enough seasons where they get drastically considered well then they get rewarded extra because they're not getting a signing bonus they're not getting a yearly bonus you get the league minimum and that's what it is so i think most of us would be like yeah that makes sense right you know jared walsh uh, 2020 almost won rookie of the year uh matt shoemaker in 2014 came in second in the voting for rookie of the year Mm -hmm. yeah so they should get a little extra incentive right because they performed. Yeah, I, I think um, especially if you're a highly touted prospect, there should be a rene- renegotiating uh, spot or maybe something to where when you do hit the le- the big leagues, you get incentives, you know, because that's the reason why Pete Alonso keeps winning the goddamn home run derby because he doubles his salary. He still hasn't hit his his big payday yet. So the way he's getting a, getting paid is winning that home run derby. So <laughs> exactly, you know, he's getting half a million dollars, just over half a million dollars, because mm-hmm. that's the league minimum. I think maybe he hit arbitration already this year. I, th- but yeah, he gets he gets uh, um, yeah a million dollars for winning the home run derby. So if you're Pete Alonso or another rookie, why wouldn't you do it? Obviously, Pete Alonso's not a rookie anymore, but you know. That's the you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's he, the incentive to go to the home run derby, you know. <laughs> absolutely, you know, for for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you get like a hundred grand for participating. Yeah, it's a hundred grand and like a half a million to six hundred thousand for winning or something like that. I don't know. And a car, or no, it, that's, it, that's for the MVP. I'm sorry. That's for the MVP of the All Star yeah. Game. Yeah. Um, it, Pete Alonso is now arbitration eligible. Uh, he is currently projected to make seven million this year, if you know the lockout of rents. <laughs> that and that's just what he's projected. It could be less. It could be more. Well, you know that's crazy. You bring that up. That's another thing that I mean. Look, it's gonna suck to be these GMs when they when they do open up the lockout because 
you got to go crazy into what's left on the free agent tank, and then you got to work out players who's going to be on the roster, who's going to be on AAA, signing guys that you know that'll help out of the bullpen, and then you got to deal with arbitration all at once. It's like that's a lot, dude. That's a lot. Well, and that's why they're saying that's what they're worried about, right? Because you know we have to figure this CBA thing out. Well, and then we still have some off season to do. Oh, and then we still have spring training. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? what's going to happen? I mean, you're probably just going to have a, my guess is like, so let's just say the CBA gets figured out next week. I doubt it, but hypothetically, I would imagine they're going to have like two or three weeks of the off season. Everything is going to be a blitz. I think everything's going to happen at once. People are going to sign like crazy. Obviously not everyone's going to sign for spring training. I'm guessing they're going to have a condensed spring training and then hopefully they'd start the season on time. That's my guess as to what would happen. Obviously guys would still be getting signed during spring training. It'd be a giant flurry, but that's my guess as to what would happen. I think you're going to have some players sign in late September or not September, late uh, April. I think you're going to have some guys that, that didn't get to a, a roster spot because of condensed minor, uh, the spring training and uh, they didn't get a uh, minor league invite uh, because the minor leagues are going to be pretty much their rosters are going to be set. So you're not going to have, you know, these guys are going to have to sign on either in April to a minor league contract or they're going to get signed on because of a performance or two or an injury that happens. Because that's the other thing we're not taking in consideration. These guys need spring training as much as we know it's a little bit too long, but they need spring training to exercise and get all that stuff out because just like in football, we've seen where they've had to condense things. You have a lot of injuries, a lot of hammies, uh, stuff like that. In baseball, yeah. that can happen too. A lot of obliques, a lot of obliques early. And I think we're going to see a yeah. lot of injuries, unfortunately, in April and May. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was horrible for football in terms of injury because they didn't have the uh, the preseason. Yep. So there was injuries galore. It was yep. bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe this could be the same situation. Let's hope not. Right. Knock on wood. That's not good for any sport. It's not good for any athletes because, you know, sure, it's just a, a small injury that's going to take them up for two or three weeks. But there's also long term repercussions to all that. Yeah. And as an Angel fan, we've seen too much injuries as, a, as it's been in the last like five to six years. So we're really hoping for a better year with no injuries. But this isn't going to help, you know. Yeah, definitely not. We got a bubble wrap. Uh, anything else about the CBA? No, that's it. We've hit on that. We hit on it last week and then, and, you know, this one too. I wish we had more to talk about because, hey, you know, it, it's it, everything got figured out. I mean, hey, when the time comes, I'm sure we'll do a breaking news segment on it because that'll be big news. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure the Angels are not done signing. I have a feeling they're going to get one more big fish, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go with Carlos Rodon is who I'm hoping for. Yeah, a lot of Angel fans are hoping for Rodon. For sure. Sorry, decided to have hiccups. Um, so uh, one thing I want to talk about uh, before we kind of get to our last heavy hitting segment of the show mm-hmm. is uh, Angels retiring numbers. So the Angels don't have a lot of retired numbers in their history. You know, they got Nolan Ryan, they have Fergozzi, they have Carew. Uh, they obviously have uh, Jackie Robinson. Pee Wee Reese. They don't have Pee Wee Reese. I thought Pee Wee Reese was on there. Number two or whatever? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong on that uh, one. And then they have Gene Autry's uh, number 26. Yeah, 26. Uh, so who, in your opinion, will be the next angel to get his number retired? I think hands down it has to be Tim Salmon. I think Tim Salmon before um, uh, 
what is it called? Uh, Trout came along, was Mr. Angel. So I figured that, you know, with two over 200 home runs and everything else like that, almost 300 home runs, and with the longevity that he played right field and just was an awesome player, uh, he he should be um, – he should have his number retired. I think he did enough here in this organization. He was beloved by all, so that's my guess. Okay, uh, and for the record, you were thinking uh, Jimmy – Jimmy Reese. Reese. I'm sorry. Jimmy Reese. Well, no, no, fine. I, I, so – so um, if I'm getting this correct, the last angel to get his number retired mm-hmm. was before the turn of the millennium. Mm, wow. That's 1998. That was, the and last, that was for Gozi. That was the last year uh, Autry owned him. So that kind of makes sense. There Disney, you go. <laughs> Disney did, there you go. Disney didn't uh, retire a number and then Artie the farty isn't doing it either. I mean, in all fairness, I mean, who would Disney have retired at that time? They still had a bunch of active players. So I can't exactly blame Disney. I mean, who would you have? Uh, they only owned the team for like what three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, half a decade. No, not they even because they bought it in ninety. They bought it in ninety nine, right? Ninety eight. Because he he they got the okay. Team. So they got they got half um, ownership in ninety six, and then the other half okay. was going to them once Autry passed, and then so they got the team in ninety eight when he passed, and then they sold the team in late oh three. Because they were still, yeah, yeah. Because they sold it right after the World Series. Yeah, well, they, they were into the. It was into the next season before they sold it. So technically, Artie's first year was '04. That's when they made '04. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a very long time that Disney owned them. I don't think they had a lot of people who they should have, whose number they should have retired. So I, I'll give Disney a pass. What's well, unfortunate? But yeah, there is. It's unfortunate because of what Disney does with everything else. I guarantee you this team would have a couple more titles had they just waited a little bit longer on their investment. Like Artie, I guess, saw the writing on the wall, but if they could have waited and, and, and maybe had inside information that big TV contracts were coming, I guarantee you they don't sell the Angels because they were taking a loss when they owned the Angels, but it wasn't that bad of a loss. If they would have just held on a little bit longer – I'm telling you, behind Disney, I think this team wins. I feel like it's probably like a tax write-off for them at that point. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but, but, um, man, yeah, it, you know, the Disney era was was obviously a fun era. I mean, it led to our only uh, title, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously, you know, they bought the Ducks, mm-hmm. or they bought an expansion team, which ended up being the Ducks. So, I mean, you know, Disney was literally the king of Orange County. It was so. Yeah, and when Artie Moreno bought the team, you know, it, if we would have known back then that like a piece of the organization would have died, and a, a piece that really meant a giant chunk, mm-hmm. uh, man, I wish we, we would have just known because, you know, you had the whole thing come out with Rod Crew that he wished he was more involved with the Angels, but that the Angels don't want anything to do with him really, so he does everything with the Twins. Mm-hmm. That was that sucks to hear. Like, man, you don't forget the history. Do history sells. It really does. People love the old school Angels jerseys. And it's just, you see all these other teams that don't have super rich histories, like embracing their history. I mean, I grew up in San Diego. Those people over there love those old jerseys, you know, and they have good players that roll through San Diego, but they don't have much of a team history. Those people love talking about Padres history, yet they don't really have any. We have history. We have multiple Hall of Famers that have rolled their way through Anaheim. And granted, we only have one direct Hall of Famer, which is Vladimir Guerrero, who's 
number should be retired, by the way. Uh, I don't think they will until Trout retires. It'll be a dual I think they'll double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Yankees do. Mm-hmm. I think that'll happen. Uh, honestly, I would just retire 27, just let Trout keep wearing it because it's grandfathered in, kind of like Mariana Rivera wearing 42. Mm-hmm. But um, Tim Salmon, I don't think there's any Angels fan who's going to say that number shouldn't be retired. Yeah, he's he's still go- – it still goes – we did a poll earlier in the year about your favorite player, and it was it came down to the very end. It was between Tim Salmon and Trout. And I think Otani's yeah. going to be up and there. And there's a lot of Garrett Andersons too, a lot oh, yeah. of Garrett Andersons. Yeah, that would be – if you know if these guys are still playing, obviously with Vlad already in the Hall of Fame, I think he's a no-brainer that should already take place. The only reason why I wouldn't put him first is because Trout's still playing. The the dual thing would be amazing, but I'd hate to have Vlad wait that long. So yes, one A would be Vlad, one B would be Tim Salmon, and not too far behind would be a Garrett Anderson and a freaking Frankie Rodriguez. Is Garrett Anderson? get his number retired ever he should he was a you know okay. i don't think of him as an atlanta brave or a dodger because he was briefly there yeah but when he was in the angels i mean he was mr consistent uh, i loved his swing a lot of people like got on him but again like i've said it before people get upset the way that upton plays left field they felt garrett anderson was kind of lazy in left field i thought he was great uh you know he 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 looked like he got to the ball slow, but when he would throw, the ball was right there every time and on target. So, uh, and he was a good outfielder. He didn't get a, a lot of praise because that outfield. Remember, you had Darren Erstad in his prime making plays in center field, and then in right field you had Tim Salmon. Uh, you you had other outfielders that were making plays out there, Jim Edmonds. Uh, but Garrett Anderson held his own. He was, I mean, there's a reason why the angels had uh, a really, really, I mean, if they didn't have the best pitching, but their defense was amazing back in the day. Okay. So Tim Salmon, Garrett Anderson, in your opinion, both get their number retired. Yeah. And Frankie, Frankie has to, I mean, when you, when you brought okay. up the closers last, uh, I last, can agree with those. Yeah. When you brought up closers last episode, I mean, it's a no brainer. I mean, he was, he was so okay. dumb. All right, so I got two for you. Okay. Clyde Wright, number one. Does he get his number retired as the best pitcher in Angels history? Uh, or not uh, Clyde Wright. Uh, sorry. Uh, why am I – Chuck Finley. My apologies. Chuck Finley. Chuck Finley? Um, I don't know why I said Clyde Wright. Clyde Wright was good, <laughs> but uh, – I would say I would say you can retire his number for the – not just for the stats, but for the simple reason why I think Ty Buttrey's the one that wears it right now, right? 31? Uh, he did wear it. Yes. Yeah. Other than him, I can't remember another guy wearing 31. So Langston's, num- <laughs> Langston's number is pretty much retired itself. You know what I mean? Like nobody wears that number. So uh, if he were to retire, yeah, I mean, number- Chuck Finley, 200 wins, 173 losses, 3.85 ERA. I mean, and he, and his, he had a debt. I mean, look, if like I made that video, but if you ever get a chance to look at Chuck Finley highlights, um, check it out on our YouTube page. Uh, but or anywhere else or check it on YouTube in, in general, his fork ball was unhittable. When, when he had his fastball working, it looked just like his fastball. He struck out so many guys uh, and he pitched a lot of innings. I mean, there was a few times where he pitched way uh, over 200 innings and he's just, he was a, a really, really solid starter for the angels and uh, pitched most of his career here. Uh, I, I, I think he should have his number retired. 
I agree. I, I agree. I mean, like I said, best pitcher in Angels history. And, you know, I understand talent-wise, it was probably Nolan Ryan. No disrespect to every other pitcher. But, I mean, Nolan Ryan was a beast here. But he does have his number retired here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, another one I'm curious about. Jared Weaver. Mm. Homegrown guy. Yeah. Pitched almost all of his games as an Angel. They obviously did go to the Padres for a little bit there. Um. Yeah, homegrown guy. Uh, I would, went to school just down the road there in Long Beach. I would have to say he's definitely a fringe, but I mean, he wasn't a dominating strikeout pitcher. Yes, he got to the postseason more than Chuck Finley did, obviously. Um, and yes, he did pitch in a lot of games. He he got a no hitter, which I don't think Chuck Finley did. So, um, you know, and he came close a couple other times too. So I would have to say yes in a way because his strikeouts didn't, like I said, match Chuck Finley, but he did pitch, like you say, his entire career here almost and um, local kid. I, I Yeah, I, w- I would have to say yes. Whether he goes in before. I mean, Finley, the way I see it. Oh, okay. go ahead. Sorry. I, I, oh. would, I, I would just say, I would say he would have to go in after Finley. I don't think yeah, I'd put him in before. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, I would probably say first would be Salmon, then probably Anderson, then probably Chuck, and then probably Weaver. You know, and all of a sudden, we're starting to get to this point where, whoa, we have a lot of numbers. But the thing is, the Angels do have a rich history of good players. Mm -hmm. The way I see it, you retire someone's jersey when that's your guy. Mm -hmm. Tim Salmon uh, will probably always be Mr. Angel. I understand, you know, Trout, when it's all said and done, will be a a better player number-wise. But... Salmon was the first Mr. Angel. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the original. No matter what Trout does, he will never be the original. Will he be the best angel ever when it's all said and done? Yeah, chances are by the when we die, he will probably be the best angel of all time and will be in the discussion for the best player of all time. But I mean, would you take away the title of Mr. Angel from Tim Salmon? That's what he's known for. I have a bobblehead that says Tim Salmon, Mr. Angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, he, and here's the thing, too. When you know a guy is a storied player for your franchise, even if their number is not retired, guys out of respect won't wear it. Name me another number 16 that's been on the Angels for a while. Name me another 15 that's been on the Angels for a while since then. Jason Castro for both. <laughs> He wore number 15 and got bullied out of it and then went to 16. And then he was like, no, I'm not doing this again. See, that's what I'm saying. There's an unwritten rule there in the clubhouse that, dude, these guys are legends. And yeah, Trout went to 27, but I think he didn't he get some permission or he something? He appointed 27 because that was like so quickly after that they, they asked him about it. He was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a position to complain. He just took number 27. And I mean, you know. Obviously, baseball players are superstitious, so now he can't not have 27. Yeah, and then, and then like we were talking about with Butchery, Butchery was the first player I've seen wear 31 in a long, long time, which I, I don't even remember anyone wearing it after. Uh, so, and, and I know there's just certain players that you're not going to see, you know, wear those numbers, you know. Um, it's just, it's just there, there's an unwritten rule because a lot of people forget too. I mean, we all think of Spezio hitting that home run and Erstad and Gloss knocking in that game six. They didn't win the World Series that night. They saved it. Game seven, it was Garrett Anderson's huge bases clearing double that won it. So I think 
he's in Angel's lore forever in my mind. I mean, just not just his resume, but that hit was uh, iconic. So for anyone else to wear 16, I think it's sacrilegious. I think 16 should easily be retired. Uh, and same thing with Tim yeah. Stammen. Um, you know, to see him go through his entire career uh, not making the playoffs every year, uh, he was getting up in age in that year, but he balled out as best as he could in his late 30s to get that title. I mean, he deserved it. I mean, that's that's why he's you got that bobblehead that says Mr. Angel. I, I absolutely agree. So uh, one of the last ones I have, and this one I'm really curious about to hear what you're going to say. Mm. Mike Sosha, does he get his number retired? As a manager, obviously, he was the first angel manager to bring a title. And really the first angel manager to bring legitimate success to this fan base. He wasn't the first to get to the playoffs, mm -hmm. but he was certainly the first to be as dominant. Absolutely. I, I think hands down, he should have his number retired. Uh, okay. Whether you, well, I mean, I would even, I would even put him in first, second or third. Like I don't, I think it has to be soon because for a stretch between 2000 and 2010, nobody won more games than Mike Sosha in baseball. The angels were, were the top winning team in baseball for that 10 year period. So yes, I think, I think Sosha's number should be retired easily. Yeah, I, I think Sosha has a legitimate case to be a Hall of Fame manager also. I agree. People are gonna, some people are going to roll their eyes, but I think when I think now that the dust is settled, mm -hmm. we really understand what we had in Mike Sosha. Now, unfortunately, the game did pass him by, but okay. I don't necessarily blame him for that. Well, let, you know, let, let me sports ask you, change. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, that's all I was going to say. I want to ask you a question then real quick. Bobby Cox. Hey. Bobby Cox had a 13-year run, only one World Series title. He is he a Hall of Famer? I, I think he is already. Well, because my point is, if Bobby Cox is a Hall of Famer, one World Series title, dominated for just over a decade, which in actuality, so he did is in the Hall of Fame for the record. Okay, there you go. We'll we'll see. Sosha, he went. From 2000, because uh, they, they start, you know, they, they started out a little rough when he first started, but 2002, they took off. But for that 10-year span, he won more games than any manager. And then into, I think it was 2000, up until 2014, they were winning consistently over 80 to 90-some-odd games a year. So, again, he went 13, 14 years just like Bobby Cox. Now, Bobby Cox managed more than 13 years, correct, but they put up similar resumes in that period of time, because Bobby Cox before the Braves wasn't really, you know, a great manager. So Bobby Cox career, 2,504 wins, 2,001 losses, mm -hmm. one world series, five pennants, mm -hmm. four manager of the years, Mike Sosha, 1,650 wins, mm -hmm. 1,428 losses, which was a 536 winning percentage. Mm -hmm. uh, Bobby Cox was 556, one World Series, one pennant, two manager of the years. Yeah, so he's two manager of the years behind, four pennants behind, obviously the Braves going four more times. But you could throw in those division titles that the Angels won, which was, was not similar because I know he won several with the Braves. But he did win, all, uh, what? well, you said Bobby Cox had 2,100 wins career? 
Uh, yeah, but he also had almost a thousand more. Uh, he had four thousand five hundred and six game managed. Uh, Sochi only had three thousand and seventy eight. Yeah, see, so which is still a lot, but you know. Yeah, 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 but but you see, their numbers are are similar in a way. So I mean, if Cox yeah, winning there, percentage is pretty close, five thirty six for Sosha, five fifty six for Bobby Cox. So the win percentage is close. I, I say he's in both Hall of Fames, or, or or he should be in the Angels Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and he should also have his number retired. He gets a trifecta. I agree. I I agree to both. All right. So this one, uh, this is kind of just a joke question, but do you think Artie Moreno would ever retire Pujols' number? (laughs) Do you think he will? Not should he get his number retired. Do you think it will happen? If it pisses off the fans. Not if you wanted to. Because if you wanted to, I know the answer is no. And all the Angels fans are going to be like, oh, hell no. But will it happen? If, if, If it means pissing off the fans, Artie will do it. So you'll see a number five up there, <laughs> even though he did Fair nothing enough. in the Angels uniform. Yes. I, okay. I just realized my fiance put a what it's a paper up to I suck eggs. <laughs> I was wondering what that paper was up there with the Simmons. I just saw it right now. I noticed it earlier, and uh, well, now I know. Now I got to Windex my glass. You suck eggs of my huh? signed jerseys. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I don't really even like it. Hey, she could have said them, a lot. I mean, I'm not a fan. She could have said a lot worse. So <laughs> that's fair, but it had to be PG. We'll lo- we'll lose our sponsors. By the way, check out Chinook Eatery. <laughs> <laughs> they don't suck eggs. Yeah, you can't go to halosintheinfield.com right now to click on our link, but Chinook Eatery will still give them a plug. If you're in a Texas gas station, or actually most local gas stations now. Make sure to check them out. Go to ShinnexCedary.com to order your sunflower seeds today. Yeah, they actually have them down south in San Diego. So there you go. Yeah, Chinook seeds are good. Like I'm not even just saying that because they're a sponsor. Like They are legitimately good. Mm-hmm. They don't hurt your teeth. They don't hurt your tongue. No sandpaper. Good mouth. taste. Yeah, that sandpaper tongue, the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of the worst, I, we should probably get to our last big heavy hitting topic. Uh, Todd, do you kind of want to start off by talking about uh, what happened, the news that came? Yeah, I just bring up. Um, you know, we've been we've been asked a lot, especially during the regular season, about what's going to happen with the Skaggs trial. Uh, since day one, me and Fernando have been saying. They should have just paid out of court. They should have settled with the Skaggs family, made a sizable donation to the Skaggs Foundation, and write it off, and that be done. But since they're going criminal aspect, and they're and, you know, because the criminal case could have just carried on against the gentleman that uh, I don't know why I call him a gentleman, but uh, against K, that was the supplier of the drugs to the players and to Skaggs, unfortunate. Uh, passing you know him uh him giving them the supplier on the team and then people now knowing that the angels knew about it uh names are coming out like they did today they've delayed the the um the uh, case for two months or so three months almost and now we know today jeff fletcher came out saying that players that are requested to talk not implicated as of yet because they don't have their testimony yet but players that have been requested to come in and um, give their take on everything is CJ Cron, Matt Harvey, Andrew Heaney, Mike Morin, Blake Parker, and Garrett Richards. We knew there was former Angels players, and we knew that there were six of them. And lo and behold, today we found out who those six players are. Now, how far in, into this are they? There's speculation. I tend to, you know, I'm gonna give my point before Fernando does real quick. I just want to say that 
if it looks like a duck, talks like a duck, and walks like a duck, the chances are it's a freaking duck. And the only reason why I say that, and I, I don't want to say this with conviction, but just in my opinion, when you saw Skaggs pitch, God love him, you know, he had all the talent in the world, but taking those drugs make you off on at times. So he would pitch eight or nine innings one night, not saying he could do that every night, but he was a solid ass pitcher. But then you, you go back with head scratchers and then he, he, his personality changed on the mound. So maybe he was under the influence when he pitched. And I hate to say that, but there was a very good possibility that that was the case. And these players all have one thing in common with a, with the exception of exception to me of Blake Parker, Blake Parker was more consistent. But the other players are very inconsistent players, especially Matt Harvey at the end of his career. C.J. Cron, they all had injury problems. What do you usually give? Painkillers, opiates, stuff like that. So one can just imagine or put two and two together or follow the smoke that leads from the fire to think that these players were drug users. And I hate to say it, we may be right on this one. I may be completely wrong, and I will have to issue an apology. But all I'm going to say on this, my last thing is, if it is true, it makes sense. Because that's just how I feel about it. And that's how a lot of fans have seen it as well. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Sam Blum also reported that other Angels employees on the witness stand, uh, Tom Taylor, Matt Bert, uh, Birch, Rebecca Sconey, uh, Jim Sons, uh, Tim Mead, which is a former employee, Charles Knight, and Adam uh, Chotsko, their testimony will relate to events of July 1st, 2019. Those are those are mostly handlers and um, what do you call it? Uh, medical staff. So um, we talked a lot about this affair and mm-hmm. um, how much we were truly going to share. We all mutually agreed that we promised to cover this as unbiased as we could. We understand what's probably going to happen with the way we're going to cover this, and that's a risk that we're willing to take. Um, We fully acknowledge the fact that we're most likely going to be lepers to the Angels organization and to any of our fans who might be disappointed by the direction that we decided to cover this. I apologize, but the way that we're going to cover this is going to be fully unbiased, fully unfiltered. Um, We're going to call out anybody who needs to be called out, and that starts at the top. That starts off with Artie Moreno. I, I'm not afraid to look him in the eye, even if it was in person, and tell him that I believe he's at fault for this. And the thing that hurts me the most as a fan is to ask the hard questions. And um, there's a lot of people in the organization who are afraid and can't ask the hard questions. Like I said, we here at this page acknowledge that we're probably going to be lepers for this, and that's fine. We owe it to our listeners. We owe it to the Angels fans. We owe it to Tyler Skaggs, and we owe it to every single person out there on this planet who has wanted help but couldn't get help for a drug issue because they felt like they were going to be wrongfully criticized or they were going to lose their life or people were going to stare at them differently to cover this unbiasedly. It would be not be fair to those lost souls, Tyler Skaggs or anybody else who's ever needed the help who couldn't get it if we didn't properly cover this. Like I said, I am not afraid to admit, Artie Moreno, this is on you. 
You are the reason that Josh Hamilton was run out of this town. You are the reason you train this fan base to hate Josh Hamilton. And I am sick and disgusted to know that I was one of those individuals who learned to hate Josh Hamilton for being a human. I don't think there's any way that Josh Hamilton ever hears this, but if he does, I am sorry for being a person who truly believed that you were at fault for having faults. And because of that, and because of the decision that I made a long time ago to listen to a narrative that was falsely pitched, I will not do that again, and I will not let that happen again. And I know that everybody here at Halos of the Infield agrees. So for on behalf of anybody out there who's ever been lost in an addiction or anything like that and felt like you couldn't get the help, we are going to cover this story unbiasedly. But once again, this goes straight to the top. Artie Moreno should be absolutely ashamed of himself that it's come to this. And you know what the best news of this is, Todd? There's so much going on right now in the baseball world. This is going to get brushed up under the rug. Nobody's going to care about this story because there's so much free agent signings. There's so much going on. Wrong. <laughs> this organization, unfortunately, is about to get dragged through piles of cow crap. Mm-hmm. Tons of it. It is going to look so bad. And Hardy Moreno could have avoided potentially this whole thing, as you said, by being a compassionate and caring human being. And unfortunately, Hardy Moreno, I don't think that you are. I say that to your face if I could. I don't think that you are. I'll let you go before I keep going. (laughs) No, well said. I mean, I didn't want to stop you. I mean, uh, those are some powerful words. Um, I totally agree. It starts at the top with Artie. And and like you said in the beginning, if he would have just paid this out, you have the criminal charges with K, and it gets done basically during the last bit of last season. Instead, it gets dragged out to now. You're getting subpoenaed players, staffers, uh, former uh, team presidents, and things of that nature. And, yes, the spotlight is squarely going to be on Anaheim, a.k.a. Los Angeles, whatever you want to call them. And it's unfortunate because, again, for a lot, for a fan base around the world that's hankering for baseball to restart, this will be at the forefront. And believe me, it will get play. And, um, you know, when, once names are named like they were today, it's going to become more of a story. ESPN will pick up on it eventually. And, uh, you know, here we go. And um, it sucks because we have a pandemic right now of the virus, which is – whatever your opinion on it, getting better, getting worse, whatever. What we have in this country that's, I think, worse is an epidemic, and that is a prescription drug abuse. And that yeah. is now, it's 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 an ugly thing that, that some people are, or most people are going to know someone in their family that has a problem with it. Uh, and it's easy to have. Like uh, when I blew out my knee, uh, I got addicted to Vicodin for, for a brief amount of time, but it was so surprising because I didn't realize I had, was getting addicted when I, when I was told that I was addicted. So there, there, it can happen so fast and it's not just with painkillers. It's with opiates that are much worse and we're going to lose people. A lot of people. We're losing a lot of young people today. And so it, it's becoming really, really bad in this country. And I think this is on the forefront. And unfortunately, it takes it takes 
you know, we miss out on the normal people that lose people. But when it takes athletes, I think it puts things into perspective and it sucks. But now we we've had, a, you know, some stars that have lost lives like um, uh, Mac Miller or the, the rapper, a young kid, you know, it was only like 20 yeah, something. Miller, yeah. 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 He died of opiates. Sure. There's a lot of people that have been dying of opiates, not just Tyler Skaggs, but for this organization, we have a face to that problem. And like you said, addiction's a hell of a thing. And, and, you know, it needs to be addressed. And this is on Artie because he, it is evident now that he knew about it in some capacity and swept it under the rug. And now we have what we have now is a huge controversy. Um, I think it's our job as you know, you can call podcasters, media members. You can just say we're people who want to pretend like we have a voice, whatever you want to say. But I would be failing our hardcore listeners and this fan base if I didn't ask the hard question. Mm. Sam Blum said when he first started this job that he was going to ask the hard-hitting questions. And whether you think he does it or not, that's what he said. So you know what? I will follow in his words and take the action and ask you the question that was asked in our group chat tonight. I won't disclose his name in case he wants to keep it confidential, but somebody in our group chat asked a hard-hitting question. And dude, the second he asked, and I'm sure you had the same exact reaction, it hit me like a pound of bricks. I got pissed and I immediately got sad because any Angels fan who's a legitimate Angels fan who cares about decent human beings, which every indication I have is that Tyler Skaggs was a great man who just lost his way and that happens to good people, could not answer this question with the word no. If Tyler Skaggs was a member of, let's just say, the Texas Rangers, because we saw what they did with Hamilton. Would Tyler Skaggs be alive today? The answer is, unfortunately, yes. Right? Tyler Skaggs would probably not have died if he was on the Texas Rangers. And you know what? Unfortunately, let's take it a step further. Let's just say Tyler Skaggs was never traded back to the Angels. Remember, he was drafted in 2009 by the Angels and then traded the Diamondbacks and then came back in a trade. Mm -hmm. What if he would have stayed on the Diamondbacks? Do you think he'd still be alive today? Unfortunately, I have to say yes. And that hurts me. Legitimately brings me pain. Because I can't honestly tell you that I think you're wrong. He would have died either way. No, I honestly don't think so. And that's what hurts Angels fans. And that's what's going to hurt us. There, There is no universal. It happens to good people all the time. Absolutely. I just think there's no universal um, way of taking care of players, whether it's a regimen by the health staff to keep players in shape it's different for every team. Uh, their handlers are different for every team. Maybe this should have brought on a process to Major League Baseball of we need to unify a code for every team and maybe not let other teams have leniency to do whatever the hell they want because obviously they can't do it on their own. And I think, unfortunately, the Angels are one of those teams that needed guidance from the league. And maybe if they had guidance or a 
way of doing things supported by the league or issued by the league, there's a very good chance, if not 100%, that your boy and our boy, Tyler Skaggs, would be alive. Yeah. And honestly, I that's what makes me so sad to legitimately look at this camera right now and say there's probably without a shred of a doubt that if he would have been on any other team, chances are he would still be with us today. A good person, a good man who did charitable work Mm -hmm. still would have been with us. And like I said, we talked a lot about this off air. If this was something that we were going to talk about, but we all felt cohesively as a group that even if it meant being lepers to the organization, we owe it to Tyler and to everybody else who is going through this serious issue that's only becoming a bigger issue in this country, and I'm sure in several places around the world, that we owe it to those people to cover this as unbiasedly as possible. And unfortunately, that means putting ourselves through the pain of saying, hey, our owner's at fault. This organization's at fault. There's a handful of people who could have fixed this or could have helped stop it, who could have helped prevent it. And it's unfortunate. It really is. It hurts. Yeah, I mean, what do you think the defense attorneys are going to be for, you know, Artie Moreno? They're not going to come out there and and talk up Skaggs as a nice person saying that, you know, a nice guy just got caught up in in the addiction, you know, because there's plenty of. I I hope that's the case, Todd. I, I, I hope that's the case. It won't be because we probably wouldn't have a court hearing if that was the case. Yeah. But man, oh man. Because it's just like arbitration with contracts. You know, you, you, that is your guy. He's still under contract, but you have to go to the arbitrator and say, well, he didn't perform this way. He didn't perform that way. He has faults here. But then as soon as the contract is signed, either good or bad, you're like, hey man, no hard feelings, right? Let's move on. You know, you're still a part of the team. Let's go angels. Um, That's kind of how it is here. I mean, with Skaggs, you know, they got to go in there and probably paint a picture like, hey, you know, this guy, you know, he was fiending for it. And then we had a bad drug dealer on the on the team. And it's just between them two. You know, they're going to talk him down. They're not going to bring up the stuff you did. They're not going to say that he was just a guy that got caught up in it. And anybody, including right. myself, can get caught in addiction. And And it doesn't matter if you're a bum on the street or you're a high profile person. Drugs can get no matter who it is at any time, just like alcohol. So it's one of those yeah. things where and, this- and it's sad and unfortunate. It is. And, and it's especially when it, it's life. Yeah, it's life. But it could, in this case, could have been pre- uh, prevented. And, and, and I think that's why that this is, case is so strong. This is why it's going the way it's going. And this is why, again, there was an opportunity given to Artie Moreno, which I know we've said it before, and I'll say it again. It sounds bad to say, hey, just pay off the family. Just give a sizable donation to the uh, to the, the foundation to move on. That's if you wanted to take the route you wanted to take, which we're standing behind Artie and the better of the organization. However, Artie does not think of the better of the organization. He's thinking pride. He's not thinking of settling things. And, and it's not just to sweep it under the table, but to say, hey, bad PR for my franchise is not what we need right now. We need to focus on what we have, Trout and Otani and the baseball players on the field. No, his pride got in the way, and he wants to justify and clean himself of this and do there just seems to be too much evidence to show that Artie's not culpable for this. You know what I mean? There's, there's too much, you know? So, so yeah. I'm just, 
I'm just going to say it right now. This is going to continue to get worse the more and more it goes on. Just unfortunately, just like the CBA, but this is has to do with someone's life and family that is never going to be the same because of something of sport that led to a man's death. And yes, they didn't shove the pills down his throat, but they sure as hell didn't try to prevent that. Yeah. Especially when, you know, they had somebody on the inside that was providing said situation or said accessibility, Mm -hmm. especially after news came out that the MLB hasn't tested uh, for marijuana usage in years. Mm -hmm. That was news that came out. You know, the MLB is like, yeah, we haven't tested for that. I mean, I personally don't partake in marijuana. Uh, I have no problem with anybody who does, but if the situation here would have been take something natural for your pain, which is, you know, marijuana or CBD, things that, you know, a lot of people say uh, is helps with pain, then maybe that should have been the way to go. And if the difference here is have somebody take something that's natural that a lot of people say helps or take an addictive pill, I mean, I'm going to recommend you go with something natural that people say helps. Like I said, I don't partake, so I would have to go with other people's opinions on that. But people say that that works. So why wasn't the team pushing that? Maybe, and you know what? Maybe there's more to it. Maybe Tyler Skaggs tried marijuana, you know, CBD, tried all that stuff, and it didn't work for him. Sure, maybe that's the case. I'll just say but that- at a certain point, painkillers don't work either, right? You hit that certain point where it just doesn't work anymore because, you know, you take so many yeah, your body becomes immune to it or used to it, and they need to up the dose. Yeah. I get that. But there are forms of marijuana, and especially, like you said, CBDs, all this other stuff, that will work. Because, look, if it worked on my mom, my mom, unfortunately, you know, she passed away almost five years ago, and she had cancer of the stomach. And and um, basically, you know, it came to a point where she couldn't eat. She was vomiting a lot. Her, you know, her body was fighting itself. And, you know, she's a clean cut woman, never tried drugs in her life. We got her a little CBD. It started to work like she started to have an appetite. She was able to keep things down. And then she was still in pain. We got I got her a brownie. Funniest thing ever. She got high. It was hilarious. But guess what? For for the time that she would partake, it, it, it worked. The pain went away. So, yes, it, it can help. And I see your point. The advancements of, of, of marijuana and medical use have come so far and, and it can be controlled. You can go for the ultimate high, you can go for sleep and you can go for pain or for recreation. So it's all there. And and if they're not testing for it, I don't see why it's not a prominent thing. I think the opiates are too dangerous and too addicting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anything else to add to this? I mean, the only thing I can add is that we're probably going to continue to cover this. We're going to cover this as uh, legitimate as we possibly can, as down the middle as we can. Um, when we cover the story itself, we won't put any emotions in it. But what we will put emotions in is the obvious reaction to things. You know, I'm not going to put emotion like, oh, I, you know, we told you guys Andrew Heaney was taking drugs. Things like that. If that kind of stuff comes out. That's not the kind of stuff that we're here to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not in any way, you know, calling on Andrew Heaney pre is just an example. So, um, but, you know, we won't be doing things like that. But what we will do is cover the emotion that is associated with this. For instance, being able to hold people like Artie Moreno accountable 
How about a public apology? That's the kind of stuff that we should be able to call out for as members of the media. How about a public apology? That's something so simple, right? I'm not laughing you at your, you. You got your kids. Was that? I'm not laughing at you, bro. I'm just laughing at the fact that what that would take for Artie to actually public apologize. <laughs> There's no. Yeah, right. I don't. I see me and you winning the lotto now, tonight, the the yeah. Powerball or whatever yeah, it's right. at before Artie does that in our lifetime. So yeah. Probably. But I mean, that's the first thing I would have done as an owner. Hey, man, um, I don't know how this got under my nose, man. I, you know, maybe I should have been more involved. I'm sorry. Like, that would have been the perfect time to do that. And then maybe this whole situation would have been different. I would, you know, yeah, you pay out the family. Hey, you know, Carly, I'm really sorry. Uh, you know, the, the entire Skaggs family, I'm really sorry. Literally, there's nothing that I could possibly do. But, you know, here's some money. At least you'll be compensated for your lifetime. You know, whatever, sell the house if you need to buy yourself a new house so you can get out of that house because of the memories, whatever. You know, here's some money to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. If you ever need anything or any help for my team, you let me know. That would have been the perfect thing to do. You know what? <clears throat> F that. That would have been the human thing to do. And thing to do. I, I think. Right? I think. Yeah, they they could have did something too, where instead of doing stupid Roger Lodge five k run, they could have did the Tyler Skaggs uh, run for the foundation to raise money. They could have d- done a uh, Tyler Skaggs night where the guys wear forty five, like they did that fateful night of the no hitter. So, I mean, there could be things that you do once a year to honor his memory and to honor the foundation and to go move forward in, in bringing and shedding light to the problem. And, and, and you would have already could have came out of this looking like a goddamn saint. Instead, he looks like a devil in red as usual and a drunk one with a lisp as you like to do a very good job of his impression. So I, I it's frustrating to know that as an Angels fan... Yeah, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I don't, I don't apologize for anything besides running out of scotch. <laughs> that's, that's spot on, dude. That's spot on. But Had to I, end it on a, on a funny note, right? We, we yeah. covered something very, very serious, and it kind of damp- brought me down a little bit. No, I get you. I, the last thing I'm going to say, though, is as Angels fans, we were very frustrated for whatever reason with Disney and the way they were running them. And we couldn't wait for them to change to Artie. Had we only freaking yeah. known, you know, we would have been begging for Disney to stay. Hey, that's how life is, right? Grass is always greener. Exactly. Until it's not. <laughs> Until it's not. Next thing you know, you're living on a dirt lot. Drought resistant plants. Yeah. <laughs> Or already brought back those uh, Arizona uh, lawns from over there where they just put rocks on your lawn and they spray paint them whatever color you want. <laughs> That's what he yeah, brought. There you go. <laughs> That's what he brought the Angels Stadium. Rocks on the front lawn. Exactly. That's like a softball team. <laughs> that should be team four. Yeah, maybe that's the fourth. <laughs> or pebbles on the dirt lot. There you go. <laughs> can't be, it can't have rocks in it because there's already rocks in the outfield. So mm. pebbles on the front lot. <laughs> um. All right, man. Uh, anything else? No, nah, man. I think I think it's a really good show. We got into a lot of stuff. Uh, had a few laughs, but got pretty serious at the same time. So, good stuff, man. 
Yeah, yeah, same to you. Uh, one thing I do want to remind all of our friends and listeners, if you guys are sad that this podcast is almost over, no problem. Make sure to check us out on Halos in the Infield on all of our social media platforms, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Reddit. Yes, sir. And then soon. The content's uh, there. Yeah, we have a lot, of, a lot of content. You can go in the archives, check out a lot of our past stuff, um, you know, and then. Again, we have a lot of big announcements, a lot of things going on for uh, the upcoming season when it starts. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and then when the web, uh, when the website's up soon, right? I mean, the countdown's already up, so it should be up uh, pretty soon. Some new merchandise coming to the website. We're condensing the merchandise we had, and we're making the merchandise better, better quality. I think it'll be cheaper, too, mm-hmm. and uh, much more offerings. I know Fast Times Out of the Halo uh, made this hat as part of his exclusive collection, so uh, make sure to check out Randy's good designs, period, that he does in general, but he's also going to have some Fast Time designs, so uh, uh, you know, you'll have to go to both shops, you know, for the yeah. bud. You can't get it all at one spot. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta shop yeah, exactly. around between the two. So for sure. It's too good. It's too good for one spot. Exactly. So we'll be back again uh, with our next show next week. And uh, hopefully we'll have some, some more positive news or better news. And then uh, hopefully when the regular season starts, we got, you know, we're always going to have content. But when the regular season kicks off, and especially when the CBA opens up, look to Halos in the infield for your news because we're going to be posting uh, every kind of signing, especially it has to do with the Angels of trade or whatever moving forward. So, yeah, you're going to have – Angels news is going to be found here on Halos in the infield. Yeah, we also have some uh, some exciting stuff coming at the very end of the month. Mm-hmm. Some uh, so expect like a blitz of episodes like over the like on, if everything goes according to plan like the next month you know the month of February maybe bleeding a little bit into March mm-hmm. uh, you guys normally get like four episodes a month during the off season and then during the season like eight we're gonna, it's probably gonna be like twelve or fifteen like we've been like stockpiling stuff to get ready for the season so now since you know the CBA is going on a little bit we're not gonna be able to release everything right at once but man you guys are gonna get blitz with a ton of episodes coming up really good episodes so stay tuned stay tuned a lot of fun stuff we're so excited to have you guys a part of it and uh, viva los angelitos there you go peace.